This is your host, Dr. Mesma Shabazz. Good afternoon, happy Friday, everyone. I hope you're all having a wonderful time. I wanted to start this conversation this week on the first initiation. As we talk about holding the holy vision of the feminine within, I want this conversation to focus on and be dedicated to our youth. And I encourage mothers to sit and talk with their daughters about the first initiation into womanhood, our first menses, and celebrate it in a way that honors the initiation into womanhood. The centeredness of mothers provides the appropriate support for daughters. The rite of passage initiation for girls occurs on the first menstruation. In my culture, custom required that a girl who comes of age must eat certain foods for the day. Girls are served otto and is mashed yams in palm oil mixed with onions, peppers, and spices, a boiled egg, which is, I must say, very delicious. The traditional recognition of this rite of passage is even more elaborate than what I experienced. There are several steps in Akan female puberty rites. Now, Akan is the tribe that I come from. After her first menstruation, the girl is brought to the queen mother back in the day to determine whether she's physically and spiritually ready. The girl's mother then announces the initiation to the community and other females are invited to help. They first perform the installment rite, appointing a participant to a seat of honor. The initiate sits on a cloth, sometimes kente cloth. Next to the initiate is a brass basin filled with water to thank the ancestors and gods for bringing the girl safely to this point. Family and friends bring presents and place them around her. The girl's body is then prepared for initiation. She is ritually bathed, her hair, fingernails, and toenails are cut, and she's dressed in a new cloth and adorned with beads and jewelry. The community welcomes the girl into adulthood by pouring libations, offering various food items for her to taste and enjoying more music and dancing. Puberty rites and other rites of passage are also important social events. Puberty ceremonies must occur before pregnancy, and it is considered taboo or disgraceful act to conceive before the ceremony. In former times, groups of girls will spend considerable amounts of time in ancestral homes, supervised by priestesses, and elderly women. The young women are invited to participate in ritual celebrations. 
Among the matrilineal Akan, the first mess is, is an occasion for public rejoicing and congratulations for display, ritual, music, song, and prayer. Public ceremonies are held to celebrate the transition. However, the introduction of Christianity diminished the extent to which this public celebration was utilized. Some traditional activities have been replaced by the confirmation ceremony in churches. The basic belief underlying the numerous prohibitions associated with menstruation is that the menstrual period or the menstrual blood is considered so powerful and that any direct or indirect contact with it is believed to render all powers impotent and inactive. Therefore, besides the menstruating woman being so powerful and must be isolated or avoided, especially by men and certain religious personalities, this situation is similar to purity laws in other cultures. For many indigenous cultures in Africa, menstrual blood is not only seen as powerful, but also potentially dangerous. We can explain the word dangerous in this conversation later, but it, it signifies the power and the intuitive aspects of a woman during that period. Besides being a cleansing period for the woman, it is also believed that menstrual blood has the capacity to diminish the spiritual growth of a man, hence the mutual decision to physically separate during that period. In the Akan healing heritage, another point of view is offered. The moja, the blood from the mother, according to the Akan, makes a human being. Human blood is therefore held in high esteem. Abriwasasiya, Grandmother Earth, as a deity, is said to abhor the spilling of human blood. This is why the Akan males are terrified of the female who is able to shed her own blood periodically over several years. Elizabeth Shillington expands this view by saying that menstruation contains many contradictions and paradoxes, for menstrual blood has within it the power both to harm and to bless, to weaken and to strengthen, to cause illness and to heal, to bring bad luck and good. It is a substance that is both forbidden and sacred. It is ordinary, natural, and healthy, yet it is infused with divine purpose. It can enable us to experience new heights of sexual pleasure, yet it also connects us with the pain and suffering of the world. The gendered roles in the communities ensure harmony 
a positive image of matriarchal system that honors the natural flow of women's blood has erroneously been interpreted as a forced isolation of women during their cycles. I want to share my thoughts on my own personal experiences. This picture is clearly embedded in my mind. I felt fear the first time I saw a red spot in my underwear. Even though I had been exposed to other girls in boarding school who had their menses, I did not see or know anything about it. I had no idea how it would feel when it happened. And I never imagined that there was any pain associated with it. I was 13, at home from school from a short break. And my mess started around 2 p.m. It hurt so badly, I poured ice water on a washcloth and placed it on my lower abdomen to cool things off. Obviously, I was way off. I was so scared. The loafy pads in blue crinkly packaging that I had to insert in my underwear hoisted on a belt was so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. When my mother found out, she was pleased. Of course, I got the traditional meal of mashed yams with palm oil and eggs. It was delicious. The symbolism, however, escaped me at that time. I was so embarrassed because everyone was told about it. Nothing was explained about how the girls deal with the trauma of becoming a woman to the stage of having an intimate relationship with a man. To me, it was a quantum leap, one that I was not prepared to process. As mentioned earlier, the traditional full rights for menses to those who chose to celebrate it have the young woman adorned with colorful beads around her, the neck, the waist with barely any clothing. This strip of royal kente cloth that tucks into the bead at the waist, one in front and the other in the back, was so beautifully done. Since 13, the only time I did not have my period was when I was pregnant. But soon after my baby was born, the flow started and it has been predictably on schedule. I asked my gynecologist during a recent exam after that how much longer I had till menopause. Her answer was predictable too. Not anytime soon. That was when after I had my child. Over the years, I got used to the presence of my menses and went through it without ceremony. I was indifferent. But I've had more pain due to surgical manipulations in my back, making it feel worse than at 13. And hence, that was my desire to have it over with. Emotionally, I still feel like everything associated with being a woman, my menses carried a lot of weight, responsibility, 
and packaged with difficult choices. Personally, I did not feel at all liberated. I felt more burdened. The African culture with its complex social systems, values and traditions places different standards on expectations on women. For example, women who were barren are shunned to this day and often dismissed by their husbands, family and society at large for the sole reason of not bearing children. In times past, women who had multiple births, albinos, supposed witches were all dishonored. And this is explained in Chino Achebe's Things Fall Apart. Back in the day, right from puberty, women begin the informal training of how to take good care of their husbands or how to be good wives. And I know I began resenting some aspects of being a woman and became detached. Then I had the added baggage. The first time I experienced trauma in my life, women perpetrated it and all the preconceived notions about how honorable it could be to be one went down the drain with it. During those childhood years of mine, everything seemed to blossom out of nothing. I also observed certain traits of how some women were treated, and I just did not want to go there. There's a story that stuck in my mind. A man and his wife would wake up early at dawn and go to the farm to spend most of the day. On the, the way over to the farm, the woman carried all the tools, the bull on her head, the baby on her back. About three in the afternoon, as they returned home with their fresh farm produce, the load on the woman's head got heavier it's about 10 times what it was in the morning. The baby would still be on her back and the husband walked several feet behind her with a whole cutlass under her, his arm, smoking his pipe. As soon as they got home, the woman hurried and prepared his bath, bathed the children or child and prepared supper simultaneously. As she labored intensely, the husband sat under a tree playing cards or board games with his friends. When the man finished eating, the woman cleared his bowls and gave him a bowl of fresh water to wash his hands while she waited on him with a towel. He had not moved since after his bath. The woman, if lucky, will get some help from older children to clean up after the supper. Otherwise, she was on her own. If the husband desired her, the chances that she would say no were slim because he threatened he could take a new wife if he wanted. The polygamous system was practiced on all levels of society, even till today. I cringed at the thought of womanhood then. It presented an interesting dichotomy. On the one hand, 
women were honored in their traditional roles as caretakers and nurturers, as the bearers of knowledge, love, and with a fierce sense of independence. On the other hand, they literally did everything else and suffered in silence. And that was not encouraging for me. I separated from my femininity emotionally. Since I started this spiritual journey some time ago, my views on womanhood have changed. I'm more comfortable with myself as a woman. I have felt the blooming of my breast during my menses and I appreciated it. I've passed that stage though, so. I have found a new level of sensuality by embracing my body. I joked recently that I could feel my nipples burst with energy and my pierce through my blouse. I have spent several weeks with groups of women in a circle, meditated, healed, and shared experiences meaningful to our existence. I know now that we do not have to smother the woman in us in order to survive. Nor do we have to shun the role to avoid the observations I made just before puberty. In fact, it is by accepting the power we have that can make a difference. Until this day, I continue to examine my role as a woman in my community, as an ex-wife, mother, sister, aunt, and daughter. I have been impressed by the importance of our presence on this planet and her survival. And hopefully with time, we'll continue holding the strength and disposition of being a phenomenal woman. I would like to end with writing a letter of initiation. Writing a letter of initiation to yourself, remembering your first menses, what it meant then and what it means now, but especially allowing our youth to do the same so we may celebrate it as a powerful medium. Here goes my letter. My dear Mensima, come sit down, my dear. I know you've been anxious about what we are going to talk about today, but there's no need for you to worry. Even though you may not have heard any of the other girls explain what it is that you experience when you become a woman, it comes naturally to you if you have the patience and willingness to listen. The emotions and feelings that you have as a woman comes from within you. All the external factors are there to confuse, oftentimes distort your perception as a woman. You may remember, dear child, the times we used to walk or sit by the river the water that runs smoothly over the stones washed them as it flowed 
downstream. That same river flows within you and brings with it the same nurturing and cleansing qualities. It starts from above, signifying its sacredness and touches your head, throat, heart, stomach, navel, and down through the birth canal. It is perfectly designed to touch all the energy centers within you. So you'll be in touch with yourself, nature, and spirit. It is important that this happens because you are assured of the divine presence within you. It is continuous so that you can, with time, appreciate and experience yourself in the scheme of things, especially those external factors that may challenge you. It is a gift that blossoms into a flower every season, monthly in this case. Use the continuity to see your beauty among other things and other beings on earth. Use the wisdom gained to interact with your emotions, fears, and intuition. Remember always that you are not going through this for the sole purpose of bearing children. Spirit is not one-dimensional and does not waste energy on any creation. There are so many aspects of growing and becoming a woman. The river that flows within you expands your intuition and allows you to learn to love unconditionally. It allows you to be creative and resourceful. It allows you the opportunity to be a nurturer and a teacher, and especially a healer. No other being can summon all these gifts and mystery. Only a woman can. Be proud, my child. I end this conversation with love, and I hope you send your feedback and practices of writing the letter of initiation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you again and continuing this conversation about holy vision of the feminine within. It is a very powerful conversation and initiation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many blessings. See you in a couple of weeks.